Blog Talk Radio. Cattle Radio. It is Sunday, May 20th. I am your host, Jake Counts. Writing Shotgun with me is TJ Smith. And um, some congratulations are in order for TJ. TJ just graduated with his bachelor's uh, about a week ago. And also, he is celebrating his 21st birthday today. So, TJ, thanks for joining us. And congratulations, man, on all your little accomplishments obviously getting older isn't one but um graduating from school is so glad to have you on board again man good to be here well just to uh let you guys know what you can expect from the show today i did say that it is a special report and we are getting into the growing police state and how convenient for us that the nato summit is in chicago and the police are flexing their proverbial muscles by arresting people and putting them into jail and detaining them for evidently running a home brewery. So that is Al-Qaeda now as well. So just to start off, we're going to play a clip from Paul Harvey that um, that was played on the Alex Jones show about a, a week or so ago. But it really does encapsulate how far we've degraded as a society. Now there's two ways to look at this clip. Now, there is the way from a moral argument, which would be to bring Christianity back to the forefront of society here in the United States, and that would eliminate some of the challenges that we're facing today as a nation. And then there is the ethical argument, which is basically reinstating common values uh, of the collective in order to have some realm of common decency and and regardless of your religious perspective. So... It is a great clip, so I'm going to play that for you guys now. And then on the other side, uh, TJ and I will break down the show. Obviously, you're going to hear the news, and then we're going to jump into the police state. So here's the clip from Paul Harvey. If I were the devil, if I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. And I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree. The. So I'd set about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve. Do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. 
If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves, until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public, and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Paul Harvey. Good day. 1918, 2009. He recorded that back in 1993. So that gives you the, um, the quick once-over of, of the slow degrade of society of what we're seeing now. And he did really hit the nail on the head you know, over um, over almost uh, 20 years ago. So, you know, moving forward with the news, we're just going to um, cover some of the mainstream articles and then give our takes on it. The um, the first article that I wanted to cover today is um, is about the three NATO protesters that face terrorism charges. And within the article, it says that the Chicago Police Department said the men were were charged on Friday with conspiracy to commit terrorism, providing material to support for terrorism and the possession of an explosive incendiary device. They were the only people charged among the group and nine arrested at the same time. And the Chicago Police Department doesn't know the difference between a home brewing system and Molotov cocktails, says um, said Natalie Wahlberg, who was a was an Occupy protester and part of the affiliated with the group that got arrested. And it says the NLG attorneys are questioning why the city within 48 hours is, um, has a limit on holding arrest detainees without a court hearing and impose such serious charges if you know if they're not going to move forward with it. But this is just um, – it really does piggyback with the police state and what we're going to talk about today. And um, TJ, why don't you um, why don't you cover the uh, the article next on our uh, on our list with the uh, the Breitbart story? Yeah, well, if anyone has been paying attention lately, then you have heard about Obama's um, new literary agent that was um, found from his booklet. Um, 
Breitbart News has obtained a promotional booklet produced in 1991 by Barack, by Barack Obama's then literary agent, Acton and Distill, which touts Obama as born as born in Kenya and raised in Indonesia and, and in Hawaii. The cutout states Barack Obama, the first African-American president of the Harvard Law Review, was born in Kenya and raised in Indonesia and Hawaii. The son of an the son of an American anthropologist and a Kenyan finance minister, he attended Columbia University and worked as a financial journalist and editor for Business International Corporation. And the article goes on um, to basically um, um, identify Barack Obama as his bio. Uh, of course, Obama this week he denounced um, this bio, but the thing is, it has been used for 16 years. And so, why is he now denouncing this? As you know, that Barack Obama later changed his bio in 2007 when he began to start his campaign for running for president of the United States. And, and what you see with um, with Barack Obama is, is really it, he is an anomaly in and of himself. First, he was born in Kenya. Now he's born in Hawaii. They've got a birth certificate that that is less than substantial from from all you know from all points being and you know whether he's born in Kenya or born in the United States he went by Barry Satoro for the longest time and now he's Barack Obama the the fact of the matter is is that we don't really know who this guy is but yet he's the president of our United States and if he was born in Kenya that disqualifies him from being a president and then all of his Draconian laws that he's passed over the last you know three and a half years are all null and void, and that's why this is such a big topic. And, and TJ, you did a great job of explaining. You know, it, it's been going on for 16 years, but right before he's going to run for for the presidency, everything's hunky dory, and he's born in Hawaii, and it's just puppy dogs and ice cream. And what we didn't even touch on was, um, and I don't know, I, I think you'll probably remember this, TJ, when. When the governor of Hawaii said, I'm going to go find the birth certificate, and he made this big PR announcement saying that he's going to go find it, and then and then after two months, there was, there was nothing. It was silence. So just interesting to see how everything will play out. Now, the next item we wanted to cover was a was a CNS news article and it and it was entitled there is almost a four or $13,000 increase in debt per household since the first bipartisan spending bill. Well, of course, guys. What 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 you have now is a is a bureaucracy that that is basically made up of career politicians. And the only thing that these guys want to do is move is kick the can down the you know, kick the can down the road and then keep their office and they're going to pu- they're going to pass, you know, laws that don't really do anything to to our national debt except for put more more onus on the people. And so the article goes on to talk about how that we've got a um, that we've got an increase since that since that debt limit was passed, the uh, the spending bill was passed that we've got a uh, an increase of 1.5 billion dollars, and so it says given that the Census Bureau estimate that there are about um, 17. Uh, 117 million households in the United States. That's an increase on each household from the bipartisan um, from the bipartisan agreement back in 2000, March 4th of 2011, is now up to about 13,000 per household. Uh, 
So once again, it's the Federal Reserve, it's the fractionalized banking tying us on to this debt that isn't ours while the, while the Congress people run rampant and, and just go out and spend and spend and spend and, and try to spend our way out of debt, which is absolutely impossible. So um, TJ, the, uh, the next article about the Israeli national news, why don't you uh, jump on that? And, you know, speaking on debt, if the U.S. was to attack Iran, it's just going to throw us into further more debt. And going by what the what the Israeli National News is reporting, that that is what they are intending to do. Um, the U.S., along with 19 other nations, has conducted the largest military exercise in 10 years in Jordan this past Tuesday. Code name Eager Lion 2012. It is the largest exercise held in the region in the past 10 years. Major General Ken Tovo, head of the U.S. Special Operations Forces, told reporters in Amman. Over 12,000 soldiers are taking part in the war games, representing 19 countries, including Bahrain, Egypt, Iraq, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Lebanon, Pakistan, Qatar, Britain, France, Italy, Spain, and Australia. Israel, despite having extensive Extensive security agreements with Jordan was not invited to this, was not invited to participate inside the exercise. Several Arab nations participated in the drill are still formally at war with the Jewish state. As you are well aware that uh, recently that the ambassador for the U.S. Um, was actually caught by Israeli press inside the news this past week telling him to be prepared to attack Iran coming up. So it just goes to show you that things are lining up, and as Lizzie Williams said, be prepared to expect the war coming between September of this year. Well, I mean that would just line everything up perfectly because if if Obama can launch a war before the elections happen, then he's got the proverbial excuse, especially with a staged terror attack or something like that. Say he's got not. yeah, he's got he's got the um he's got the pretext then to to basically lock down the country, suspend elections, and that's through presidential directive fifty fifty one that we covered um in a in a broadcast previously. So it it's gonna be interesting to see how this will all shake out and um and just you know, from thirty thousand feet, it looks pretty ominous for us going to war with Iran. Which, if you ask the majority of the population, I, I would there's going to be there's probably going to be two different responses, maybe three. You're going to have the person that's going to say, "Yeah, I think we should parking lot them," when they have no idea the history of the United States with Iran, with the Ayatollah, and all of that stuff. They don't understand history. They don't understand that we that we removed. Um, a pretty decent a pretty you know a pretty decent guy and put in the ayatollah and then completely wrecked the country and then turned it and then turned the country against the united states they don't understand that and then you'll have the other people that understand that hey we're in a lot of debt and we can't really afford this war and it's something that we need to stop doing is going over and being the police of the world and, and trumping up all these you know fake issues just to you know just to help out the the special interests with all of their you know financial gains with the you know the military industrial complex, so that piggybacks right into the next article that we wanted to cover. Um, this is from the economic collapse, and it and it says the bank runs in Greece will soon follow by bank runs in other European nations. Well, yeah, they're all signed on to the same derivatives bubble, like I talked about on my last episode. Um, on the last show, I got into what you can expect to see and the reason that you can expect to see it and in the order that you can expect to see it. This is not rocket science, guys. This is all basically debt-to-GDP debt ratio. 
if if your debt exceeds your GDP, you are in a financial you are just a financial crockpot waiting to overflow. So the article goes on to say that bank runs that you're watching now in Greece are shocking, but it's still just the beginning. Since May sixth, and this number is probably going up since then, nearly one billion dollars has been withdrawn from the Greek banks. For the small nation like Greece, it's absolutely catastrophic number. At this point, the entire Greek banking system is in danger of collapsing, and if you had money in a Greek bank, why wouldn't you pull it out? Because if Greece leaves the euro, then all the, euro, the, all the euros in Greek banks will likely be converted into dramarks, I guess is how you would pronounce this, which is the value of those dramarks is certainly to be declined drastically. So it, once again, this is what I covered in the last episode. If if you have a country that's tied on to all this derivatives debt through the euro and they leave, then what's going to happen is they're going to have to go into a new currency. They're going to have to scrap the euro, and they're going to have to create their own currency. But their own currency is not going to hold the weight that the that the euro will hold. So in essence, through either bank runs, which are – you know. Like I like I covered before, they are a number one. It's the number one threat of any kind of central bank is the bank run. So you have the bank run, or you have what they call a bank holiday, and that's what you would see if they would start imposing all of these Greek nations and and Italy, Spain. If they all started leaving, they would do what's called a bank holiday. They would shut the banks down. They would transfer all the euros, and then they would start the new monetary system in place. Now, the only problem is that the new monetary system isn't going to hold the same value as as the um, as the euro. So, in essence, your money that you have in the bank is worth less, and you've done nothing to it. Nothing has been done to it, whether you've done investing, whether you've taken money out. Nothing has changed other than the fact that other than the fact that they're going to print it on a different type of paper. So. This is something to be this is something to be very leery of because in the United States the only saving grace that we have here in the United States is the fact that we are the world reserve currency and as soon as that gets removed or as soon as people stop trading oil in dollars we are in a lot of trouble. So moving on TJ why don't you cover the um, Department of Homeland Security and then we'll launch into the topic for the show. Yeah, this article comes from InfoWars about um, the Department of Homeland Security prepared to grab DNA from kids. A Freedom of Information Act request filed by the re- request filed by the Electronic Frontier Foundation has revealed a plan by the Department of Homeland of Homeland Security to collect DNA from children 14 years old and up without a search warrant or criminal prosecution. The EFF reported on Monday that that the DHS plans to be appear working its way through DHS in the wake of regulations from the Department of Justice that require all federal agencies, including DHS and its components such as ICE, to collect DNA from individuals arrested for federal crimes as well as from non-U.S. persons who are detained under the authority of the U.S., whether or not they have been involved in criminal activity or not. Now, as you know that this has been going on since the 1980s, but before then it was every child at birth was actually um, taking uh, DNA samples from and stored inside a large database without the parents even knowing. They want to do this so they can actually maintain a huge record of all those actually born inside the U.S. just to add it to the global data bank. Yeah, and we'll get into the global data bank uh, um, in a minute with the um, the project that you're going to cover. 
But but something key to understand here in the article, it, it talks about it talks about people that are arrested for federal crimes. It's not the fact that you've been you've been convicted. Is as soon as you get arrested, hey, we're gonna swab you, we're gonna put you in, we're gonna put you in the cell, we're gonna patch you down, we're gonna get you used to being a prisoner. And so that's what we're gonna talk about. Um, we're gonna talk about the police state. And I do have something that's gonna set this up, even with the uh, the DNA from kids. This is a a newscast from from Russia today that was um it was about a week ago, but I think it really does encapsulate what we're facing and and what you can expect to see from not only the nanny state but the police state moving forward here in the United States and all over the all over the world. Now, innocent until proven guilty. That's where the phrase goes, right? Well, not so much in California, where a ballot measure passed in 2004 requiring police to take DNA samples of everybody who's arrested on a felony charge. Arrested, not convicted, just arrested. And guess what? If you're one of the 10, or 100,000 people every year in California who is arrested for a crime and later cleared, or arrested and never charged, well, it seems like you're out of luck. Because your DNA information will be in the police database forever. Period. So say that you're the Occupy LA protester that was arrested last month on the felony charges of lynching. That's right. A law meant to protect people in police custody geared towards protecting blacks from racist mobs is now being used against occupiers. Will the charge hold up in court? Well, maybe not, but it doesn't matter because the young man's DNA is already in the system forever. And so far the courts, the courts who have sworn to uphold and protect the Constitution, they're totally on board here. It's something that we've spoken about before and just yesterday they reaffirmed their position when they upheld the law. The ACLU has challenged the 2004 ballot measure and not the part that requires DNA collection for people convicted. Just the mass collection of people not convicted or not under the supervision of the criminal justice system. Because guess what those people have from protections from? They've probably heard those words before. Unreasonable search and seizure. Yeah, that rings a bell because it's part of the Bill of Rights. It's the Fourth Amendment. That old rag. But I guess it's just really not that big of a deal anymore. See, the court made up of two conservative judges, one liberal, weighed the interests of the government against the privacy rights of arrestees. And surprise, surprise, they came out on the side of government and law enforcement. Now, the most depressing part of it here is nothing new. Just yesterday, we spoke about the weakening of Miranda rights by not only the administration, but also the courts. And today, the weakening of protection in yet another way. More of your rights flying out the window without much fanfare because people think that these rulings don't actually apply to them. People assume that they'll never be falsely arrested. They'll never be monitored or spied on. They'll never be interrogated because they're good law-abiding citizens. Well, guess what? Once you start giving up your rights without so much of a fight, pretty soon you're going to wake up and realize that you don't have any left. And that's just a perfect way to, to segue into the police state. And that is the general consensus of the population is that you know, since I'm not doing anything wrong, since I'm not a bad person, I don't really care if you, you know, if you track me on my cell phone. I don't care if you read my emails. I've got nothing to hide. But once again, that's not the point. The point of the matter is, is that if you will accept a little bit of corruption, they're going to take a mile. So whether you accept a little bit of, oh, well, that's kind of violating my Fourth Amendment, but I got nothing to hide, just get ready because you know, the SWAT team's coming, and they're just going to show up at your house and, and arrest you, and you're not going to know what's going on, and you're going to get shipped away because Obama passes the NDAA that says that he can, for whatever reason, come in if he suspects that you're a terrorist 
or even maybe thinks that you might have given some money to somebody that they can lock you up and throw away the key. So welcome to the police state, everybody, and that's the topic for the show. The way that we're going to cover this is uh, twofold. We're going to cover the organizations that are involved in the police state, naming the organizations, talking a little bit about those responsibilities that those agencies have. And then we're going to talk about the technology that's involved with the modern-day police state and what you're going to see moving forward. Now, if if we talk about things on this broadcast and they start coming to light, we're, we don't have a crystal ball in front of us. This is all stuff that happens to empires as they over – extend themselves, and as they start running out of funding, it'll typically always get inverted on the population. So once again, the war on terror was over a couple of weeks ago, but now we got to watch out for the lone wolf and the domestic terrorists, like the people brewing beer you know, for their own consumption in Chicago, and now they're making quote-unquote Molotov cocktails because they get the police all hyped up that there's going to be some kind of fracas, and um, and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I'm going to cover the first couple of parts of the police state organizations, and I'm going to cover Homeland Security and FEMA. And I have a couple of clips um, to support the FEMA stuff, but I did want to read a document about Homeland Security. Think about Homeland Security as being the big umbrella under which all of these other little subgroups are located. And remember, Homeland Security, since George Bush enacted it, is going to be in command of not only the local police, but they will be in command of the military as well in certain economic collapses or any kind of any kind of measure that would necessitate a martial law scenario. So I do want to cover this article really quick, and then I will jump into FEMA. And it talks about – this is an Infowars.com article that came out a couple of weeks ago, and it talks about big sis needing more ammunition for training. And it says, the federal government has hunger for taxes, money, resources, and ammunition. As we reported, uh, the Department of Homeland Security has awarded munitions manufacturer a five-year contract for 150 million rounds of 40 caliber ammunition. And two years ago, it awarded a Winchester contract, a five-year contract of five or 200 million rounds of 40 caliber ammunition. So, if you look at it in in a four-year span, that's 650 million rounds of ammo for quote-unquote practice. I don't understand. So they go on a little bit into the article, and it says that. Um, it says that DSA officials have put out a bid for even more ammunition for the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center, which is located right here in Georgia, just outside of Brunswick, in between Savannah and Brunswick. So why do they need all this ammo, guys? They need this ammo to fight al-Qaeda? Is that TJ, do you think that's what they need all the ammo for, is to, is to fight al-Qaeda and the, and the terrorists making beer in their own apartment? Well, you know, we are. The new Al Qaeda. So yeah, they do. <laughs> it it really is comical once you get to this extent where, I mean, first they manufacture Al Qaeda and then they use Al Qaeda as the as the hundred percent boogeyman that they just move all over the world and menace the, you you the American public because the American public is is asleep for the most part. They're not paying attention. They're too busy watching you know the Kardashian season premiere. Or Chloe and Lamar. That's what they're worried about. They're not worried about their rights going out the window because I'll just let somebody else handle that. 
And that's the stance that I hear so much, and it's the stance that I'm actually getting sick of. So underneath your loving Department of Homeland Security, you have FEMA, which we came up with an acronym that I can't even really say on air, but basically it is effing over every member of America is what we pretty much made the uh, made the little abbreviation for. So I do have a clip, and if you guys think that this isn't coming – now hopefully this clip will play because it didn't play a few minutes ago – but I have a clip of what the first or the first order of business was after Hurricane Katrina. The first order of business was not to go out and give people food and water and shelter and start policing the Superdome where they were having people getting raped and beaten up and you know any of that stuff. So here is the clip and hopefully it'll play if not I have a backup. No, no audio. Sorry. So the it was basically the um it was a broadcast about gun confiscation. So the first order of business was we need to go grab all the guns and it was an audio clip of and you guys can look this up on YouTube and I'll hyperlink it to my site um after the broadcast we are not cattle.net. You'll be able to find all of our articles, the uh, supporting audio, everything will be hyperlinked for you. So what they would do is they would go and confiscate people's guns. And it wasn't just the local police department. It was the military with the police working in tandem. So they interviewed some of the soldiers, and they were saying that this is kind of weird in my own country going around and taking – you know, and taking Americans' guns, and then they segue to the chief of police in New Orleans saying that we're going to confiscate all the weapons. First thing, and they said, well, isn't that against – he said, nobody will be allowed to be armed. We're taking all the guns. So if you guys do see a, a scenario where there's a, an attack on the United States or something, believe me, they're coming for the guns. They don't want you to be able to defend yourself. you got to rely on the nanny state and the police state for protection. You can't just go out there and try to defend yourself and your property. That's up to the government. That's what big government's there for is to keep you safe. Remember, remember, Homeland Security is keeping us safe from al-Qaeda. So how do they get people to buy into turning their guns in, and how do they get people to buy into martial law? Well, you go through, you go through what's called the clergy response team. This is actually a, an affiliation and a group of clergy members, you know, members of your church, probably a lot of the megachurches, the 501c3 people – that they talk about how it is of the Lord to turn your guns in. So here's the clip from that, and this one does work because I checked it before the broadcast. So here is the clergy response team coming for your guns. Law ever become a reality in America? Some fear any nuclear, biological, or chemical attack on U.S. territory might trigger just that. And as KSLA News 12's Jeff Farrell discovered, the clergy would help the government with potentially their biggest problem, us. From my cold, dead hands. Charlton Heston's famous declaration captures a truly American value, the overarching desire to protect our freedoms. But gun confiscation is exactly what happened during the state of emergency following Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans. U.S. troops also arrived, something far easier to do even now thanks to last year's elimination of the 1878 Posse Comitatus Act. That forbid U.S. troops from policing on American soil. 
If martial law were enacted here at home, like depicted in the movie The Siege, easing public fears and quelling dissent would be critical. And that's exactly what the clergy response team, as it's called, helped accomplish in New Orleans. The primary thing that we say to anybody is let's cooperate and get this thing over with, and then we'll settle the differences once the crisis is over. Such clergy response teams would walk a tightrope between the needs of the government versus the wishes of the public. In a lot of cases, these clergy would already be known in the neighborhoods in which they're helping to defuse that situation. For the clergy, one of the biggest tools that they will have in helping calm the public down or obey the law is the Bible itself, specifically Romans, Romans 13. Because the government is established by the Lord, you know, and, uh, and that's what we believe in the Christian faith. That's what's stated in the scripture. Civil rights advocates believe the amount of public cooperation may depend largely on how long they expect a suspension of their rights might last. Jeff Farrell, KSLA News 12 reporting. According to Tuberville, during Hurricane Katrina, the clergy response team provided 38 chaplains a day around the clock at eight different camps. Oh, it's so lovely. TJ, you're, you're, a, you're a biblical scholar per se. <laughs> It doesn't Romans 13 say bow down to the government and turn your guns in and it is of the Lord to submit to government which man created, not God, correct? You know, what a lot of these guys actually do, they actually misquote the Bible and they actually, you know, do not – Well, they, really? they take it out of, they take it out <laughs> yeah, of context and that's it's what so they really do. Plain. They just take it completely out of context, and then they utilize their little one or two sentences that are trying to get their message across, and then that's what they push on to the public. Is, is that about right? Would that be fair? It's fair, but, you know, when you look at Romans 13, you have to understand that it says that it is the authorities that God has established. And when you look at a lot of these governments, a lot of these people are evil, corrupt, and they are Satanists. And God did not establish those types of governments. So, you know. <laughs> well, it's all loving and good. Remember, it's of the Lord to turn your guns in, Americans. You don't need to fight back. Just go to the camps. <laughs> Everything will be fine. They even said camps on there, which is that. That's just crazy. So, you know, moving on. Um, that's it for, for FEMA. Basically, FEMA is... To give you the once over, they're, they're in they're the Federal Emergency... I can't even remember what the actual acronym is. It just aggravates me. But um, Jimmy Carter was actually the one that established FEMA, and then it got expanded through George Bush after 9-11. And so what you're going to see, you know, not even to get into the conspiracy with the FEMA coffins and the FEMA camps and stuff, even though those have been – They've been leaked, and 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 the government admits, yeah, we do have camps, but you know, not for holding American citizens. Even though we've got them all over the entire United States, and we've got the entire United States broken up into little segments, and and always constantly run drills about how we're going to get people into the camps. They don't exist. So moving on to the TSA, TJ, why don't you touch a little bit, <laughs> no pun intended, about the TSA, and then um, I'll give you guys my personal experience with the TSA. Well, the TSA, 
or better known as we like to call them as the touching, sodomizing, and aggravating people, um, they maintain full body scanners in which their full name are known as millimeter wave scanners. This is one of two technologies that are used to capture a digital exposure of the human body. The TSA operates millimeter wave scanners and backscatter technology to capture the naked human body beneath your clothes. In order for these machines to generate the image of the nude human body, they emit they they emit terahertz photons. Terahertz photons are powerful high frequencies particles that are capable of going through clothing and body tissue. A study was conducted at the Center for Nonlinear Studies at Los Alamos National Laboratory in New Mexico, which showed that terahertz waves can unzip double-stranded DNA creating bubbles in the double strand that could significantly interfere with processes such as gene expression and DNA replication. Damaging the human DNA could lead them to being unable to grow and divide, and when DNA is damaged, this is how cancer is able to form, causing cells to mutate and die. Another thing to point out is that the FDA has never approved the body scanners that the TSA uses in airports, even though these body scanners qualify as medical devices. In the medical field, in order to operate an X-ray imaging device, there, there must be a certified radiologic technician or an X-ray technician, which takes two years according to the American Registry of Radiologic Technologists. However, at American airports, there are none of these technicians operating or overseeing these machines. Not to mention, none of these workers have anti-radiation cards that are used to measure how much radiation the human body is exposed to. And now they are expanding onto buses and trains. They want to fill your kids. They want to grope you, and they want to, you know, be there to sodomize you. Well, yeah, it's prisoner training. You know, when when you look at when you look at how tyranny is established, everyone, and that's one thing we have to we have to get out of our head that. That the United States is this overwhelmingly good nation. I think that there there's all this information coming out about about what our our foreign policy is, and our foreign policy is not the greatest in the world. Now, there granted there is some justification for some of it, but the majority of it are, are mineral grabs and and things of that nature, or or you know getting involved in something we shouldn't even be involved in. So. When you look at things like that, when you look at how when you look at how empires act, empires act in the fact that when they get when they get so large that they start to expand way beyond their threshold, they start making sure to not only henpeck the the population and keep them in line. But it's like what TJ and I covered with the Nazi regime. Remember, it starts out nice and slow. Hey, we got to suspend your rights because the Reichstag got bombed, and hey, we're gonna we're gonna make the Nazi Party the official party, and that's okay if you if you if you disagree with it. But then you start looking down the road, and it's hey, if you disagree with the Nazi Party, you get to go to the camp. Hey, if you're a Jew, you get to go to the camp. Hey, if you're this, you get to go to the camp. Anybody that doesn't bow down and worship the Nazis, you get to go to the camp where you just get to get shot. And that's and that's what you're going to see is the United States population is is in a trance for the most part. W wouldn't you agree, TJ, that everybody is is just completely unplugged from reality? It, I mean, because one thing about that a lot of the American people are, they are 
controlled by the media, and the media, of course, is being controlled by the elite. So if you live inside this world that is controlled by the media, you don't see nothing from the from the outside because you're living on on the inside. You have to step out and see what is going on from a distance. Right, and that's why history is so important because humans act the same way, guys. Humans act the same way. The the TSA is, is just like a basic entry level Stasi. It is. What what people have realized, the people that have studied history, is that you can't bum rush a population anymore because a lot of the population is wise to a bum rush. Something like, you know, once again, something like the Nazi Party or like the Soviets. You know, they they would roll everything out slowly, but then they would they would wrap everything in the flag and everything was fine. And you're starting to see that here in the United States with all the tyranny that they come out with. Well, yeah, you know, the NDA is bad and they could ship you off, but it's it's good for the terrorists. You know, it's always something about terrorism where the United States hasn't really been on any any kind of terrorist attack, you know, to say of in the last 20 years and and if you're telling me that that the um, it, it's because the TSA is doing their job. I mean, come on. So let me talk briefly about my experience with the TSA, and then we'll get into the NSA, the CIA, and then we'll get into the technology side of things. So I went to Mexico for a company trip, and just to shorten and sweet this, um, I knew what I was going to be up against because I don't want to go through the microwave ovens, otherwise known as the body scanners that TJ just covered, because I don't like radiation. Because if I do get an x-ray or something in the next year or so, I don't want to have to worry about getting any kind of radiation poisoning or developing cancer from from being um, overly exposed to radiation. So I opt out of the scanner. And I, I got excited because when I got to the front, they had the, the Megatron body scanner, and then they have the, the little old metal detector right next to it. So I'm like, oh, cool. I get to go to the metal detector, and, and that'll be it. So I I walk up to the metal detector, and the TSA guy puts his hand out and says, no, no, no. you got to go through here. And I said, well, no, I, I opt out. I, I'm not I'm not going through. And so they make a big to-do of this thing. So they stop everybody. We go, we got an opt-out, and they get on the radio. We got an opt-out. I need a, I need a male opt-out over here. And everybody that I'm with on my company trip, there's probably 30 sales reps with us. They're all looking at me like, what in the heck are you doing? And they're just going through the microwave ovens like cattle. Just boom, boom, yep, radiate me. This is fine. Look at my junk. That's cool. So I get over there, and uh, they take me to the pat-down area, they take me off to the side, and the guy says – Oh, all right, well, I'm going to use the back of my hand, and I'm going to touch your arms, I'm going to touch the inside of your legs. It's 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 literally like somebody that's about to rape you telling you, okay, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take I'm going to take your pants off, I'm going to take your belt off. You don't need to scream because everything's okay. And and so he starts going up and down my leg, and he feels my junk a little bit, and I was like, oh, okay, wow. this is getting very uncomfortable, but I was still kind of maintaining composure. And then he says the magic words. Now I'm going to go in your waistband. And so he takes his hand and literally puts it in between my underwear and my body and starts rubbing it around my entire – it takes both hands and goes around my entire body like that. And folks, I cannot tell you how uncomfortable that will make you having some random person put their hands inside of your waistband. So once I went through all of that stuff, I get on the plane and everybody says, you know, why did you do that? And then I gave them the spiel about the, the body scanners and stuff. No, and uh, one of, <laughs> actually one of our listeners just said, 
your waistband. You, you've got to be kidding me. No, he put his hands inside of my waistband. Once again, this is prisoner training, man. This is oh, yeah. this is this is getting you ready for for what any kind of martial law they might trump up. And believe me, with the NATO stuff going on, there's freaking lockdown up there. So, you know, transitioning off to that, I got a little bit off topic. Let's um let's dive into the the NSA and um and what their role is in the in the overall spy grid. TJ. Now, <clears throat> the U.S. has the IC, known as the Intelligence Community. It is the joint intelligence arm of all the 16 U.S. intelligence agencies. The NSA, also known as the National Security Agency, or as we call it, the nonstop spying of America, is the arm of the Department of Defense that deals with the signals, intelligence, and cryptology. Their prime objective is gathering and analyzing communications from foreign nations and the protections of U.S. governmental communications. It was birthed on May 20th, go figure, 1949, as the Armed Forces Security Agency, as was formed into what it is today by President Harry S. Truman in June 1952. Normally, the NSA jurisdiction does not include the domestic surveillance as their power is limited under the Fourth Amendment, but under former Presidents Lyndon B. Johnson and George W. Bush, the NSA has used warrantless surveillance. This caused a controversy with investigations taking place in news reaching popular magazines as the New York Times and the Newsweek as such. The NSA and the CIA have been known for evading on people's privacy. And as we are going to touch on later on about this top secret project, which is called Project Echelon, which is, has been um, in... It has actually been inside running since the the Cold War. It is used to spy on Americans and the world every day, collecting billions of communications. We're going to touch on that later, but to touch on the CIA, of course, the Central Intelligence Agency, it is the intelligence agency of the U.S. government, and it handles foreign relations and threats. First created in September of 1947, it has grown to be one of the world's most secretive agencies overseeing covert black operations from assassinations, espionage, and torturing. Now, we already know that the CIA and the NSA may be run by the government, but these branches are, of course, controlled by the global elite. These global elite actually use these firms to spy on Americans and to take out those people who they see are a threat and those people that seems are a threat are people like me and you, those people who are willing to wake up. Oh, yeah, if, we're the Al-Qaeda. We oh, are yeah. Al -Qaeda. If you choose to wake up from the Matrix, they send their agents to kill you. They don't want you to get out. That's the whole plan. Yeah, it's crazy. So um, now do you want to uh, – did you want to dive into Project Echelon a little bit deeper? or? Well, if you want to touch on Project Echelon – um, it was placed in motion by the U.S. owns, of course, the, the NSA not too long after World War II. With the threat of having just faced powerful men as Adolf Hitler and Joseph Stalin, the Western Alliance needed a system that could intercept and decode messages being transmitted worldwide. Project Echelon was this very system that would be controlled and managed by the U.S., the U.K., Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. In the year of 1948, these nations formed an agreement that was classified at the time known as UK-USA. 
under this agreement, they spied on Russia and the nations who were aligned with her under the Warsaw Pact during the Cold War. However, Echelon uses advanced spy satellites, wiretaps, and up-to-date to track the billions of communications worldwide. The program consists of communications interception stations strategically placed globally that gains data from 21 international communications. And for all those who think that, okay, well, the NSA cannot spy on America, they don't. Under this agreement, they actually use other nations to spy on America. And while the NSA spies on those nation citizens as well, from there they then take both of their gather information and they trade it. So let's say if Australia was spying on American citizens, they then would take that information and trade it with the NSA, and that way they are not um, being brought down by the Fourth Amendment, which um, which actually limits the rights of the NSA to um, spy on their people. Yeah, they just they circumvent it with technicalities. And and I was reading an article the other day that the majority of the spying that goes on on American citizens is actually done by Israel. Well, big shocker there. Israel and the United States are, you know, one and the same now because what you're seeing is is the full integration from from a global standpoint, from global standardization for all of this stuff. They're going to put these in these mega spy grids and these and these in these mega surveillance grids. You know, just like the. Um, the article that I covered a couple weeks ago about the data center going in, um, the NSA data center going in in Utah, and Congress says, "Well, what are you guys going to do with this?" And <laughs> and the uh, and the NSA says, "Oh, well, we can't really spy on American citizens. We don't have the technology for that." But then a week and a half ago, the CIA director says, "Yeah, well, we got chips that can spy on you. All the new equipment does. We can even put a chip in your doorbell that will spy on you." I mean, just absolute complete, you know, deception and misdirection. And then they tell the uh, the Congress, "No, you guys sit down and shut up. We'll tell you." When you um, when you need to know what's going on in this NSA data center, much like uh, Leon Panetta told Congress that, hey, when we launch a war, we'll let you know, Congress. How about that? We'll let you know when we're ready to um, when we're ready to go to war. So now let's talk a little bit transitioning off of that. Let's talk about the uh, the surveillance grid itself and how it's set up now and what you can expect to see in the future. Well, we do have drones in the United States. Now, they came out with an article a couple of weeks ago talking about how drones would be flying in and out of Canadian and, and American airspace, but they said it was to monitor the border. I didn't hear anything about the Mexican border where they've got them wide open and they're letting illegals run through and people are getting their heads chopped off you know, 100 or so at a time. That doesn't really matter. Let's worry about the Canadian border because that's where all the bad people come down from is uh, Canada. So what also happens is – with these drones, they talked about that they're going to have 30,000 drones in the United States, not only surveilling the population, but offering commercial flights as well because it's quote-unquote safer. So now instead of saying that the drones are going to be just domestic use, and I'm sure that they'll come out and talk about how the blimps have been spying on us for years and and all of that good stuff, they're just talking about how this is going to be the technology of the future, and it's going to be safer. Once again, they will always put the rubber stamp on it. It says this is all to keep you guys safe. This is going to be to protect us from Al-Qaeda having these drones you know, being able to track us 
from 30,000 feet or whatever. And just to give you guys a little background on the drones, I have a, a friend of mine's father that was high, high level in the Air Force. And he talked about how when he would fly planes in the Air Force, he was an engineer. Back in the 60s, he would fly a surveillance plane in the um, in the 60s that they could actually zoom in and read a license plate from 60,000 feet. So just think about the technology where it's come in the past 50, 55 years and, and what these drones would be able to do. And then, you know, combine those with the RFID chips. Now you're really talking about we are not going to be able to escape this grid. And the government is going to know everything about you, everywhere you go, the people that you know. I mean, they already track and monitor Facebook and Twitter. So, TJ, why don't you talk about the uh, the RFID yeah, well, if you have a credit card, pretty much if you have everything, even if you have a dollar bill, it contains an RFID chip. It's the electronic product code, also known as the EPC. It is a way to uniquely identify an, an individual item. Each of the items contains a unique, a 96-bit alphanumeric EPC, which identifies the nation of the manufacturer, kind of product, retailer, manufacturer name, and other info. RFID tags monitor, monitor more than 268 million individual manufacturers. And just to give you kind of a breakdown of what they do, um, over 60,000 American companies were using RFID chips into distributed products worldwide. And this was back inside 1999. Imagine how many now. They went further to actually putting chips into the products themselves like razors. Half a billion RFID chips are inserted into products every year. Walmart spent $250 million on the introduction of RFID chips into their products. And with RFID chips, they want a national ID card for every citizen under the shadow of controlling illegal immigration. The FDA has given approval for beneath-the-skin RFID chips to allow hospitals and medical staff to monitor medical records. And that plays right into one of the articles that InfoWars had, which came from the American Dream of how now the government wants to put chips into our soldiers. And also, the European Central Bank is developing RFID tags to be placed in the fibers of all new euro banknotes. They will be able to track currency all where it goes and that one's buys, keeping a financial record of all transactions. Keep, in, keep another thing in mind, 97% of all transactions globally are cashless and are done with credit cards and debit cards. Smart cards are looking for a future dollar that are embedded with RFID chips to replace hard currency. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to do away with money, and they basically is trying to keep a financial database inside the money, as well as basically keep tracks of everywhere you go. Um, inside an article that we covered two weeks ago, that now you have black boxes that to be mandatory put inside cars that are sold inside the U.S. after 2015. So you can see the global grid is actually now coming into being, and they are cracking down to keep all of their sheep in order. Oh, yeah, and they got their guys in their black uniforms with their batons ready to beat up all the protesters and then trump up fake charges of terrorism for brewing beer and stuff like that. They're getting ready for it, and don't think that it's not coming because if you see an economic collapse here in the United States, there will be people in the street. 
there will be people that are just fed up with the corruption. They're fed up with all the lobbying. They're fed up with all the big banks. They're going to be fed up with it all. But the, by they're, they're, it's basically a race between the population waking up to all of this tyranny and all of this oppression and all of this out of control big government uh, against against the controllers. And, and in essence, that's what we're in. We're in a race against time right now. So. We do have two other topics to cover, and then we'll wrap up, and we'll see if we can breeze through these quickly. I wanted to talk a little bit about the cameras, okay? So everybody sees the cameras that are in place, and they're talking about how they're used to you know, write traffic tickets and all of that good stuff. And, and it's to, once again, it's to keep us safe, but the majority of those are face-scanning cameras. And so what I wanted to touch on briefly is London is the beta test for the police state. Now, just to give you an idea, back in 2005, there were at least 500,000 cameras in the city of London, and one study showed that a single person in a day could expect to be filmed over 300 times. You're going to get filmed over 300 times by going to the grocery store or doing whatever. You're going to be tracked, traced. There is no more privacy, guys. This is it. The control grid is coming here. You see all the you see all the cameras everywhere. And and the government has back doors to where they can log into that IP address. It's not very difficult. Believe me, I sell telecom, I know. It is not very difficult to patch into these, even the CCTV, the closed circuit televisions. And um I just had a an update here that said that um the Guardian said in 2008 that there were 4.2 million CCTV cameras that were being used to spy on the UK and tourists, and then in March of 2011 that there are over 1.85 million in the city of London alone. So the spy grid's getting set up, and once again, it's not for Al-Qaeda. It's for you. We need to know what you're doing. We need to know who you're talking to because if we start with this main mainline fascist takeover that we've seen here in the United States with Barack Obama and all of his policies going through, and I actually have one of our com um, commenters talk about the weather underground, believe me, those guys are not going to go away just quietly into that good night. Those guys are going to hold on to power much like what our, our – our, actually, our listeners are pretty pretty knowledgeable here talking about – that um, that most countries will not, and especially most leaders will not relinquish power. The uh, the population has to take it from them, much like you see over in Egypt where the military is in charge, and now the population is saying, you know what, enough of this garbage. We want to elect somebody. So TJ, why don't you touch on the last one, and then we'll um, we'll transition into the, uh, the the exit, and we'll wrap it up. And if we want, um, if we have some time, we'll take some calls. If you guys want to call in, it's the call-in number to join us is 602-753-1916. You can uh, raise any topic that we talked about, people chatting online with me. You can uh, bring up any topics that you wish to cover as well. If we run over a little bit in time, we will have uh, the broadcast via um, podcast on my site and also via Blog Talk Radio. So it looks like we're going to go over just a little bit. So, TJ, why don't you talk about the um, – Internet and the global censorship and what we're what we're going to see here and what you and I might not be able to do in a couple of months as far as this broadcast goes if they have their way. You know, I had wrote an article about this um, sometimes to those of the people that signed up for my newsletter, and that's basically discussed about how with the internet, what they want to do is they want to they want to create a new internet, 
And this new internet, basically what it is, is basically it will be set up how you buy cable. In order to access it, you have to buy certain websites, and that way they can filter us out, and you won't be able to hear people like me and Jake talk about government situations. So, and and then we're right up against it here, and I just want to I want to cover a couple of articles and expand on this just a little bit because this is what you're really going to run into, guys, is that. The internet was was founded so they could track, control, and could trace us. And now we've basically flipped it on its head and used it as a medium to get out information that needs to be shared with the population that's not vetted by the mainstream media. So there was a there was a London Telegraph article that came out not too long ago, and the article basically covers how they're going to the British government is going to start reading their emails. And it's also going to start tracking and tracing all the different websites that the the population goes to. And just an excerpt from the article, if you guys want to follow up on it, it's called um, Internet Activity to be Monitored by the New Laws. And it says that ministers are preparing for a major expansion in government power to monitor email exchanges, website visits of every person in the U.K., and then they go on to say, it is vital that the police and, so and security services are able to obtain these communications data in certain circumstances to investigate serious crimes and terrorism to protect the public. Once again, it's all for our safety. We will need to take action and maintain a continuous availability of communications of data as technology changes, the spokesperson said. Communications data includes time, duration, dialing numbers of the phone call, and an email address. It does not include the content of any phone call or email, or nor does it include the interrupt intention of government to make any changes to the existing legal basis of the the interception of communications. So, yeah. They're going to grab all this stuff, but they're just going to look at the first layer, TJ. They're not going to look at the actual content. They're just going to see that you shot an email. Yeah, okay. You, you buy any of that? No, I don't buy none of that. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it for the show. TJ, you got any farewell comments for us before we uh, before we sign off the transmission here for today? One thing I would say is, you know, words are one thing. Action means a whole difference. So get out there. Yeah, and and that's the whole motto for the show, and it's the whole motto for my site, and it's something that I came up with that I thought was really catchy, but it does make sense, and that's get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It does one thing when you have one person out there screaming on the streets about corruption, but it does something else when you get like-minded people like how I found TJ, and he and I started collaborating with one another, and I brought him into the broadcast, and now we've got a good thing going here. Because we're both in it for the right reasons. We're both in it to to get this information out to not only our friends, our family, but to anybody that's willing to listen. Because these are the things that need to be addressed in our society today. And it's the only way we're going to turn this around is if we have an informed population and try to really take this country back peacefully. By all means, peacefully. We do not want to have a race war and we do not want to have any kind of other civil unrest. And we don't want to have a big fight with the police and the military because that always ends up bad. So thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you guys back. Um, it'll probably be not next week but the week after. 
we got some stuff coming up next week with the Memorial Day holiday. I'm going to take a day off. TJ, thanks for joining us. And once again, congratulations on graduating from school. And we look forward to seeing you guys on the flip side. Look for us in two weeks on We Are Not Cattle Radio. Thanks for listening.